Hey, give it up for the worship team and those watching online this morning. Great job, worship team. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today. This is our broadcast service. Thank you for coming. And Grace Church, for coming out. Praise God. It's a new year, new season. We've got a new sermon series starting uh, today for the next three weeks, which I think you'll enjoy. It's going to be a little bit more uh, doctrinal and, and uh, theological. Some things about the cross and communion and community that maybe we haven't thought of or maybe we just forgot because we're uh, kind of in life stages. And so we're going to talk today about that. Always good to see everybody. I want to encourage you just to invite people out. We're already less than three months out till Easter, so it's a great time to invite people uh, out to church. And then as they come to church, let them, you know, let them find Jesus, or maybe they're looking for just that new season in their life to start things fresh and new. Uh, Jesus is fresh and new every day. You know, grace is getting something that you don't deserve, and mercy is not getting something that you do deserve, right? And so we want grace and mercy in our relationship, and not only with the Lord, but with each other, so that we can walk through things in life. Also, if you go to the lobby. We have some trips and things planned for this year. If you'd like to go on a boat cruise or a regular cruise or a train ride, there's some things out there. We invite you to go out, take a look, and maybe sign up. Marcus did a great teaching yesterday down in Charlotte. We had about seven people from church that came out uh, and listened to it. There's a big outreach event taking place in Charlotte on February 6th through the 10th. And so if you're interested in that, if like your call is to, to, to reach out. I always tell Janie when I'm just kind of feeling, I don't know, weird, I just want to go knock on some doors and pray for some people, uh, and it just fills me up. And so this is going to be a big event in Charlotte uh, that the, that we're going to be part of. Uh, we're not heading it up, but we're part of it. So if you if that's kind of your niche in life, some people, that's the last thing on their radar. They're not going to knock on a door and ask anybody to pray for. You stay back and pray, and we'll go out and do that work. So it takes everybody, right? But if that is your niche, see Marcus. He'll hook you up, tell you where to register and how to register, and we'll go knock on some doors and cook some hot dogs. I was adding up uh, the other day, I think Grace Church, in the 15 years that we've been here, has cooked over 100,000 hot dogs for people out on the street. Can you give it up for yourself? That's that's a pretty good thing. That's, that's probably... It's probably way more than that, but I know it's at least 100,000 hot dogs that we've, we've cooked for people. So uh, that uh, you can open the door to Jesus through somebody's belly, especially through prayer and fasting. I was on a webinar this week, and the host pastor who uh, was interviewing me, uh, he was, he's in the fast, we're in a fast. I get real emotional when I'm fasting. I kind of cry. So I'm crying on the webinar He's crying on the webinar. It's like two grown men in their 60s crying. And I'm not sure if the webinar went exactly the way he wanted to, but hey, the Holy Spirit's in charge, right? And so God is good all the time. God is good. Amen. Man, I want to just, I just can't express to you uh, on just some of the miracles that Janie and I are seeing on different situations that we're praying for. And so uh, we're going to talk. I got a cross over here. A point to it. We're going to talk about the cross today. Um, the cross is for us. All right. Turn to somebody and say the cross is for you. The cross. The cross is for you. And then and then communion 
is about us, is where we can gather together. That's what we're talking about next week. And then community is for them. It's for people that maybe haven't come to church. 27% of the people in America today don't want anything to do at church. They're called the, the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, the nuns. They, they have no religious affiliation or they've been so turned off of church that they don't want anything to do at church. Well, we have to become the church to those people, right? We don't need to get other church people to come to our church. We need to get the people who don't want anything to do with church, don't want anything to do with Jesus, uh, think the church does nothing but judge them, because we're a church for all people. Can you say amen? And, and being, come on, give it up, give it up. All people means everybody. <laughs> It's kind of simple, right? But it means everybody. It means all people. Uh, and I, I was thinking, I was telling Marcus yesterday, Marcus and I went to the thing together, so I drove and we're talking. And it's like Jesus' motley crew that he gathers, they weren't like priests. They weren't prophets. They weren't anybody that anybody wanted. So he picked them. And that's kind of the kingdom sometimes. It's like, you know, everybody kind of has their own circle. Listen, we, we want all types of people. We want everybody. But uh, Janie and I have kind of majored in the people that nobody else wanted. So if you're here, don't take that wrong. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, I got to get out of Grace Church because I'm with a bunch of people that nobody else wanted. <laughs> it's like some, if you, if you challenge your backstory, maybe you've, maybe you've been looking for something. And, and God wants you. And, and God doesn't want you just to kind of sit in a pew or chair. He wants you just to get engaged with other people uh, in your row, in your small group, in your church. And so uh, come to the welcome party if you've been part of Grace Church and haven't gone to one. Hang out with us and, uh, and learn a little bit more. Uh, we're going to talk about the cross today. I'm going to pray. And we're going to just kind of, it, it's going to be a little bit doctrinal. It'll be a little bit theological. But most of all, hopefully it'll be insightful. We need to know what the cross is for and, and why the cross existed and, and what the cross will do uh, through Christ in our life. So let me pray. Father, we thank you. You are an awesome God. <laughs> you are so beautiful. We thank you for those watching online or watching later in the week. We thank you for those in-house and those that want to be here but maybe for whatever reason can't be here. Lord, that you're here. You said we're two or three shall gather together in your name. There will you be in the middle of us. And if we should ask anything in your name, you will do it as long as we obey your commandments. So open our hearts today to obey, to listen, to hear, uh, touch our hearts, Lord, just to know that you are God and you are good. We love you. Lord, we pray that we would do this message of service today to your kingdom. We bless you in Jesus' name. We pray in the church said... Amen. So, you know, I prepare my messages ahead of time, and then the, the week of, technically what will happen in my life is sometime tonight after the kids all go home, uh, the ones that come over for dinner, after they leave and Janie's cleaning up, I'll grab my phone and I'll start working on next week's message, which I always have notes for. The notes are more of a um, an appeasement to me. It, it, it's um, like I'm, I'm a person, anybody lay their clothes out the night before? couple weirdos in the house. 
I lay out my workout outfit the night before. I mean, I lay everything out the night before. I, I, like, I can't go to bed unless I know what I'm wearing tomorrow. I got a house. I got closets full of clothes. It's not like I'm, it's not like I'm not without, but for some reason in my mind, I think I'm going to forget what I'm wearing. It's, <laughs> I'm the epitome of weird when it comes to that. But they do the same thing with my messes. So Janie will be cleaning up the dishes or whatever. I'll take out the trash, try to stay out of the way, and I'll grab my phone, and I'll start to look over what I'm going to be preaching topic-wise the next week. And inevitably, at some point in time, God will change part of it. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And, and he, he needs to have that freedom to change that. And so however my best laid plans are, God will come in and, and change. And when I'm, when I'm covering and talking about the cross and I'm, I'm starting to prepare for this week, I, I started to think, wow, I wonder if sometimes we're not just skipping over these these questions, or if we're not skipping over these scriptures, or if we're not skipping over these statements that are like, wow, I wonder how many people maybe don't really realize how impactful the cross is, not only the cross that Jesus bore on his back, but the cross that he allows us to walk up to today. So Jenny suggested maybe we should bring a cross to church, and and, and there's some things we're going to nail to it at the end of the service today. Some things that hopefully you'll nail to the cross and just leave there. Like it's, it's there. It's done. We're talking about overflow this year, but the cross's beauty and the blood that was shed overflows still to 2024 today, where you can walk to that cross and you can nail things to the cross and you can just leave it there. So I'm going to give you a couple of things today that maybe the cross stands out in, in my life or in my heart, or maybe even, you know, obviously biblically that we will talk about these things and we'll read some scripture. And, and I hope it touches you like it did the first service, like it touched me when I prepared this week and, and, uh, and, and we'll move on. Uh, the first thing is the the cross pays your debt in full. Like it's it's paid in your like your debt is paid in full. Uh, I bought a, a Jeep recently. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a a four door Wrangler. I've always wanted one, and and so Janie and I went looking. I and I look. I like to look. I like to look online. I like to look on car lot. She likes to buy. There's a huge difference. One costs way much, way more money. Looking doesn't cost you a whole lot. A little bit of gas, some time. But Janie, she likes to buy. She says, she doesn't even like shopping if we're not going to buy something. She, she says that. I, you want to go to the mall? Why? Well, we can look around. I'm not going to the mall if I'm not buying nothing, she said. i got to buy something. So I know if we're going to go to the mall, we're going to buy. Well, over the Christmas holidays, Nana, I said, I'm going to do some serious shopping this week. She says, we're going to buy. We're buying this week. And so I, in my spirit, I thought, man, that's dangerous because I don't. So I bought a Jeep. I drove it for three or four days. I haven't driven it since. I've already made a payment, and I haven't, I don't have it. It's in the shop. It's, it's been in the shop for, like, since I bought it. And I'm not knocking anything. It's, gonna, it's a Jeep, so it's going to be okay. I try to tell Janie, what do you think? You bought the wrong one? You should have bought that one. Like, buyer's remorse. I said, no, honey. It's a Jeep. It's going to be okay. But I can't wait till the thing says paid in full. I'm going to be honest with you. Right? Like, oh, yeah, it's paid for. I'm going to have that thing for at least 10 years. So that, one thing I don't get rid of is Jeeps. We, have, we, as, we keep Jeeps. 
We don't keep other things, but we keep Jesus. So what's my point? The paid in full. When, when, we, when you take out a mortgage or you take out a car loan possibly, and God bless you if you're able to just go in and pay cash for, for something, uh, I'm for you, <laughs> not against you. Uh, sometimes some of us have to maybe get a small loan or whatever, but I like that when you get the deed or the title and it says paid in full, it's like, it feels so good. Well, do you know that your sins were paid in full at the cross? I mean, you're, everything you've ever done wrong, every person that ever wants to remind you of the things that you've done wrong, you just have to point them to the cross and say, they're forgiven. That debt has been paid in full. I don't ever have to worry about it ever again. Because there's a load off, right? Whenever we, uh, we see that deed, that mortgage, that title, whatever, wherever we get that in the mail or, or from the bank and it says paid in full, it's like, wow, there's an accomplishment there. This accomplishment is something that we didn't do. The Bible says that God commended his love toward us even, that, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's like, that's how much he loves us. Let's, let's go. We're going to read a little bit of scripture. We're going to read out of the passage translation today, verse 3, out of Colossians 2, and then we're going to read 13, 14, and 15, or maybe 12 through 15. For our spiritual wealth is in him. Sometimes we feel like our wealth is in our bank account. Sometimes we feel like our wealth is in a vehicle, a car, our family, our friends, all, all good things. But our spiritual wealth is in him. And if I was writing this scripture, that him would be capitalized because we're talking about Jesus. Our spiritual wealth is in him. Say amen. That's important to know because you're, you're going, your spiritual world is way more real than your physical world. Jesus even said, hey, don't worry about those guys that can take care of you here. Worry about the one who can send you to heaven or hell. That releases all fear. It's like, you know, some days I think, it'd be okay if I went home. My family would be sad, probably, hopefully. <laughs> Maybe you would be a little sad. I don't miss me for a week or two. But life is going to be so much better on the other side. But while we're here, however long we have here, our spiritual wealth is in him. Like hidden treasure waiting to be discovered, heaven's wisdom and endless riches of revelation knowledge. This is what we hope to bring out today and next week and the next couple of weeks on the cross and communion and community. Verse 12 says, for we've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means that we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power. Let's camp there for just a moment. We're buried with Christ, right? This is water baptism. We'll have water baptism maybe in April or so after Easter, but we're buried with him. But sometimes we're just like, we feel buried. But if we're buried with him, then we're also raised with him. When we believe in the resurrection power, so then we become spiritually new, spiritually reborn, spiritually born again. We become a new creature in Christ Jesus, so now this old thing has passed away. Behold, we become new. The power that raised him from death's realm that this realm of death describes our former state. So this is what I used to be like. This is who I used to be. These are the things that I used to do. I don't do them anymore. Why? Because I've been buried with Christ. Now, people will want to remind you what you used to do, who you used to be, 
how you, but that's not you anymore. You left them at the cross. We'll talk about that in a minute. For we were held in sin's grasp. Sin held us. It had us. It was like a ball and chain. It was like a, it was like a straitjacket. It had you. But now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return. For everybody say never. Never to return. Say never. Never to return. One more time. Say never. Never to return. For we are forever alive and forgiven of all. Say all. Like you mean it one more time. All. All of our sins give Jesus a praise offering for a moment. You are forgiven. You are set free. Why? Verse number 14. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. Wow. Are you kidding me? I asked the first service, has, he, has anybody here ever gotten a speeding ticket? You don't have to raise your hand, but I have. And I asked my wife if she did. She said, no. I said, no, you did. Second week of marriage, 44, 43 and a half years ago. September of that year. So I'm just saying, just saying she got a speeding ticket. She tells, talks about all my speeding tickets, but she was the first one in our married family to have gotten a speeding ticket. She set the precedent. She opened the door for me to go ahead and get speeding tickets, which I have walked through on more than one occasion. Quite frequently, actually, and I'm doing better. I think I've only gotten one in Hickory, but she reminded me that it might have been two or 15 years here. But it's a great feeling when the officer says, I'm going to cut you a deal. <laughs> I'm going to let you off. I'm going to give you a warning. I'm going to make it only nine miles over versus 10 because this will affect your insurance. And one officer said when I was at our other church, he said, I'm going to let you off. Oh, thank you so much, officer. That was a great message you preached on Sunday. It's a state patrol. I didn't know the man. The guy that was with me, Bruce, he are you kidding me? You can't let him off. He says, calm down. He's letting me off. He erased it all. Jesus erased it all. All of our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved. Have you ever accidentally deleted something on, on your computer? I just found out this morning, just, just this morning, and I don't know if it's even accurate. If you delete something, you can hit control Z. Did you know that? Did you know that? I had no, I didn't know that. You can hit control Z and it comes back. <laughs> Revelation knowledge. Unbelievable. Too many of you are allowing Satan to hit control Z in your life. To bring back what Jesus has already deleted. Get rid of the control Z in your life. Don't let the enemy keep hitting that for you. Well, yeah, but what about when this? What about when you did that? What about, when it, what about that? What about those things? Oh, oh, that's embarrassment and shame. It's angst and all Don't you worry about it. Jesus put it at the cross. It's nailed at the cross. It's forgiven at the cross. It's left at the cross. You don't have to worry about Satan ever hitting control Z ever again. It's been deleted. 
and they cannot retrieve it. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Wow. Wow. We could preach all day on that. Let's go to verse 15. Then Jesus, he made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. They have no right. (laughs) You've accepted Christ. You're a new creature. Yourself was buried at the cross. And by the power of the cross... Jesus led them around as prisoners in a possession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. In other words, the enemy thought they were nailing Jesus to the cross. They weren't nailing Jesus to the cross at all. He was nailing your sins there. Big difference. Why? Because he chose to go to the cross. He looked out into the future. He saw On this Sunday in 2024, he knew you were going to be there. And he knew that you might need this message because the things that may be quite possibly that you have done, he paid in full. It's a done deal. Three words here that we have that really make sense is erased, deleted, and nailed. Once you write them down, write them on the tablet of your heart, on your phone, maybe a pen and paper, maybe the prayer card on the seat in front of you, write down erased, deleted and nailed. Wow. Why is that? Because you'll have really good friends in your life that will like to remind you of what you did. You'll have mean people in your life that will say, hey, you're never going to get over that. You're always going to be that person. This is always going to be a part of who you are. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says it's been erased. It's been deleted and has been nailed to the cross. Your debt is paid in full. Turn to somebody and say, my debt's been paid in full. Because it's by the confession of our mouth that the heart speaks. And when we believe it in ourselves, then we stop judging ourselves because the harshest, harshest judge on ourselves sometimes is us. I can't believe I did that. What was I thinking? What happened to me? Where was I? I've, not, I've been doing so good. You're still good. You're you're only good because of Jesus' blood, but you're good. And, And why are we good? We're good because God cares and that his blood shares. And the second thing I learned about the cross is the whole, have you ever heard, he ain't heavy? He's my brother. The Hollies sang that song in 1969. And I wish I could sing it. Drew, can you want to come up and just sing one part for me? He ain't heavy. He's never heard it. Guy knows music. Left, I'm a musical genius. I've never heard that. He chooses not to hear some things. Selective hearing. He heard it the first service. I sang it. <laughs> Liar. Revelations 21 and 8. All liars. Go ahead. He's my brother. I was a little off there, wasn't I? Just a little bit. Might be a little pitchy. <laughs> They're not inviting me to the worship team yet. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. Think about that for a second. I wonder why it is that a group, a musical group can sing about this when the church doesn't quite get it. Why do we keep pushing people down when we should be building them up? Why do we keep casting them off when we should be throwing them a lifeline? 
Why is it that we shut the door on some people and open it for others when Jesus says you should open the door for all people? Why is it that we think that we're better than them? Who are them? Them are our brothers and sisters. And they ain't heavy. The Holly's kind of got it right. Uh, Jane and I, uh, <laughs> we grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. And Andrew always says, why do you say Nebraska? It's just Omaha. Well, technically, there's five Omahas in the United States. One's in Arkansas. One's in Mississippi. One's in Florida. The main Omaha's in Omaha, Nebraska. And so I always say Omaha, Nebraska, for whatever reason. But on 132nd and Dodge Street in Omaha, there is Father Flanagan's boys' home. It's called Boys Town now, and it was an orphanage. In 1939, Hollywood did a movie on Boys Town was the name of it. And it won five Academy Awards, five Oscars, best picture, best actor, best director, best screenplay, and best adapted screenplay. An amazing story of Father Flanagan starting this orphanage for people who nobody else wanted. A place for them to hang out and stay, a place for them to grow, a place for them to in fact, there's an uh, outside linebacker for the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers currently on their roster who went through Boys Town. Barrett is his last name. Uh, made all pro a couple years ago. He came through Boys Town. Ken Geddes, back in the late 70s, played football for Nebraska and then played football for the Los Angeles Rams. He, he went through Boys Town as well, an orphanage. And in that movie, they quote Father Flanagan as saying, he ain't heavy, here's my brother, he's my brother. Here's the story. The story goes that somewhere around 1918, Father Flanagan saw a boy named Reuben Granger carrying another boy named Howard Loomis up a flight of stairs. He had him on his back. He was carrying him up a flight of stairs. Poor Howard had polio. He had to wear leg braces. Father Flanagan asked Reuben if carrying Howard was hard. And at that time, he replied, Father, he ain't heavy. He's my brother. The sin, the shame, the embarrassment, the guilt that you carry isn't heavy if you leave it at the cross because Jesus counts you as brothers and sisters in the Lord. And when we recognize that we don't have to carry that angst anymore, we don't have to carry that guilt anymore, we don't have to carry that anymore, but as a church, church, we have to get the idea that we may have to help carry someone until they can realize all that they've done can be left at the cross. He ain't heavy. It ain't heavy. You're not heavy. If we do it together if we pull our fair share together, if we walk together. First Peter 2 says it this way. Remember, this is Peter 30 or 40 years after the resurrection. This is not young, you know, brash, hardcore Peter telling everybody they're going to go to hell trying to rebuke Jesus. This is grace-filled Peter. He says when he was verbally abused, talking again about Jesus, he did not return with an insult. When he suffered, he would not threaten retaliation. And how many knows, if it would have been me, I'd have just called 10,000 angels. I'd have just struck Pilate down and Herod down. Not Jesus. He knew why he came. He would not threaten with retaliation. Jesus faithfully entrusted himself into the hands of God who judges righteously. If Jesus trusted himself into the hands of God, why shouldn't we do that as well? Verse 24, he himself carried our sins 
He himself carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we would be dead to sin and live for righteousness. Our instant healing flowed from his wounding. So immediately we're made whole when we receive Christ. 25, you were like ship that continually wandered away. It's quoting Isaiah now, but now you have returned to the true shepherd of your lives, the kind guardian who lovingly watches over your soul. Jesus now, he nailed our sins to the cross, but now Peter's saying he bore them in his own body. This is how much the Savior loves us. This is how much God cares to send his son. It wasn't a redemption of a deal that he made with the devil. It was a redemption of what he required, the perfect lamb of God. But I think sometimes what we don't understand is, yes, I'm saved, but how redeemed am I? Everything that I've ever done, Jesus took it upon himself at the cross. And whom the son sets free is free indeed. So now that baggage that baggage. Janie, every now and then, will watch our two youngest grandchildren, Selah and Judah. And usually it's just one night. But after Marcus and Charity unload the kids, it, it looks like a week because they have so many bags. And I asked Janie, like the first time, he said, Honey, I thought you said they're just staying a night. And Janie was like, Yeah, I'm, there's seven bags in the foyer. Like I counted, there's seven. Are they moving in? Is there something we should know? Is there a problem? Well, that's charity. Is charity staying with them? Like there's a lot. There's seven bags in the foyer. No, that's just for for the one night. Are you kidding me? I go out of town and have a duffel bag for three or four nights. This guy's got seven bags. And we laugh about it and kid, it never changes. They'll have four bags today, and they're just coming for lunch, and we're providing the food. When we get saved, sometimes we bring those bags with us, don't we? We bring that past. We bring that hurt. We bring that shame. We bring that trouble. And that Jesus is asking us today just to leave it at the cross. Say, hey, if I've already paid the debt in full, why do you make it heavy on you when you can just nail it to the cross? And that leads us to our third point, and that's let go. Just, just let go. Just, everybody just say, let go. Just, just look at someone and say, hey, let it go. Just, just let it go. I mean, just get rid of it. Let's go to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 for a moment. As for us, the author of Hebrews, we're not sure who it is. It could be Paul, it could be Timothy, it could be someone else. Uh, we have all of these great witnesses who enrich us like clouds. In other words, there's a cloud of witnesses that are watching over you and actually rooting you on. So we must let go. Everybody say it again, let go. Let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into, let it go. Just get rid of it for a moment. It hurts. Pastor, it hurts. I'm shamed. I'm angry. They offended me. They hurt me. Or I hurt them or offended Let go. Just let it go, man. <laughs> I know it's easier said than done, but let it go. 
then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. There are very few people here. There are a couple, maybe Drew, maybe Jason, maybe you, I don't know that. Maybe you could strap it up and run a marathon tomorrow. Maybe Marcus. Maybe, maybe you could run a marathon. I, I ran yesterday 1.57 miles. I thought I was going to die. Literally. Like, God, you got to get me back home. <laughs> I could have walked. It's like my heart's pumping. My lungs are like, you know how, <gasps> like, God, I think I'm going to die. I want to preach tomorrow. I love my message. Would you help me? Like, Holy Spirit's wisdom. Walk, son. Walk. <laughs> I got some new shoes I want to try out, but I'm, I'm afraid to break them in because I don't feel like I'm worthy to wear them. I think. We've heard this before, and we say life's a marathon. It's not a sprint, but I don't realize how, I don't think we realized, I certainly didn't realize until I really read this translation, how, how much you really would have to prepare for a marathon. Like, you have to train for that. You, when I was younger, I thought, yeah, I could, do, I could do a marathon. No, I couldn't ever. I, I can't do 1.57 miles. But, but. If you got the right shoes, if you got the right training gear, if you could, if you may, if you had the right discipline, if if you had good hydration, maybe a team with you, if you had all these components, if you studied it, you could possibly at some point in time run that marathon. Why is it that we don't take that seriousness with the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, where we I am prepared to run this race because I've joined a small group, or I've invited someone to church, or I do a Bible study, or I go to a foundations class, or I go to the welcome party? I Take my life in Christ serious. I think this is what the writers tell us. If we're able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination, we won't fail halfway through because our sins have already been nailed to the cross. For the path has already been marked out for us. Verse 2 says, we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us. In our neighborhood, when I, the path that I run, I run up to the, there's a golf course, I run up to the golf course, turn around and come back. And there's, it's kind of hilly on the way back. On the last hill, just the very last hill, where I come down, I can see the corner of our house. I, and, and I see my neighbor's house first, but I can see the corner. I can see our roof line. I can see the corner. And it's almost like, have you ever heard of a horse that gets barn sour? You know, they, like they want to gallop back. And my stride picks up. And, I, and I, my breathing gets easier. Why? Not because I'm in better shape. I see where my finish line is. And this is what kind of Jesus is telling us here by the power of the Holy Spirit through the scripture is that if we don't look at our natural realm, if we gaze upon Jesus in our spiritual realm, these things are already gone. No matter who may want to haunt you with those things, they're gone. The past is the past. I'm looking forward to the author and the finisher of our faith, whose name is Jesus Christ, who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered his humiliation. And now, everybody say now, subject of a new revelation, now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. What? beautiful.
beautiful story that is, church, that Jesus leads us in this pathway. And as long as we continue our gaze on him, but there's a couple of things here, three words. One is let go. We, we said it already. Let go. Can you dare? Can you dare to let go of the past? And maybe, maybe for some, you might have to let go of the present. Can you run <laughs> with determination and passion this race that God has set before you? You literally have a cloud of witnesses rooting you on in heaven. But listen to me, Grace Church, if you go here, you have people here rooting you on as well. You have people here that care for you. You have people here that love you. And then focus. I, I recognize that when I do run, if I do work out, if I, if I uh, concentrate on my message, if I, the things that I do, when I focus, I, I can accomplish much. I think Jesus is asking us today to focus on the race that he has set before you. Stand with me this morning. Here's what I want to do because I, I feel like if it's like the first service where we had many, many come forward and just write something out. We have pins up here and you may want to even grab a pin from the back of the chair in front of you. And we have sticky notes and you can put it over, you can put it on top, you can put it on the side, but maybe there's something you just need to leave at the cross today. It could be sin. It could be a weight. It could be the past. It could be the present. It could be the immediate future that you don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm going to write this. I'm going to leave it at the cross because now it's in God's hands. You can sign it if you want. You don't have to. This is between you and God. This is you and the Holy Spirit. So I need, I need to leave this at the cross once and for all, and I need to walk away, and it's a done deal. Because Jesus says in John's gospel, the 19th chapter, and the 30th verse, he uses this word, die. It is finished. And when he finished the work on the cross, it became finished for you as well. So anybody that wants to bother you with the sin or failures or flaws that maybe you encountered, oh, if that makes them happy, let them do it. But God's already forgotten about it. It's a done deal. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna encourage you. Just maybe it's metaphorical. Maybe it's like just to release. I'm gonna encourage you, come up, write a sticky tab, put it on that cross and say, God, this is yours because you paid for that debt 2,000 years ago and I'm going to release it into your hands. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the cross. Lord, we can't explain enough how beautiful your work was done on the cross, as gory, as horrifying as it was. The beauty of it is the release that we give you today. So as people come forward in a moment, Lord, let them truly, truly leave it at the cross. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, feel free. You're welcome to come. Nail it to the cross and forget about it. The cross has the fine word. The cross has the fine word. darkest night of the cross has final word the cross has the final word 
How many of you believe that it is finished, that what Jesus Christ did on the cross, when his hands and his feet were nailed to the cross, he said, you don't have to carry that anymore. Some of you have been carrying problems and you've been carrying sins. You've been carrying shame and hurt and problems for your life. And, and now you realize that Jesus Christ already took that so that you don't have to carry it anymore. It was unintentional, I think, but it was a beautiful picture of just the way that this altar is not quite tall enough. You kind of had to kneel down. And so many people were like kneeling down and saying, you know, I'm bowing before the Lord and I'm gonna lay this thing at the foot of the cross. Colossians chapter two said that Jesus Christ nailed our sins to the cross. It's it's symbolic here, but why don't we raise our hands and just point them towards this cross. Jesus has already forgiven you but I just want to lead us in a prayer saying, you know what, all the things that we have done in our life, and these might not be things that you have done, although that's included. This could be something that's been done to you. This could be experiences that you never asked for. This could be abuse and trauma and things that you said, you know what, I just need to nail that to the cross because that has been bothering me for too long. Let's go ahead and let's just leave it here. As I lead in prayer, you just lift up your own voice if you're comfortable and just uh, agree with those that have nailed and even your own situation. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we just thank you again for the cross. We thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the death, burial, and resurrection, and we thank you for our victory. Lord, we thank you for the freedom that comes. Lord, because your feet were nailed to the cross, Lord, you said that we triumph over sin and we triumph over the enemy. Lord, we thank you for your hands that were nailed to the cross. You said that the certificate of debt was nailed to the cross, that our debt was paid in full, that we don't have to try hard to earn your grace. Lord, it is unmerited favor. Lord, I thank you that you are the soon coming king, that in Jesus' name, we have the victory in Christ Jesus. Because of the power of the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ, we are free. That every word that was spoken over the people in this room, it is canceled in Jesus' name. That every sin that we have committed, it is forgiven in Jesus' name. Lord, that every struggle and every addiction, that chain is broken in Jesus' name. That every sickness and every disease, it is healed in Jesus' name. That because of the stripes on your back and the blood that was shed, we declare over every word, every everything that is on that cross, it is finished in the name of Jesus. By the power of God, it is broken over our lives. Father, we thank you for this. I speak blessings over every person in here today that we walk in freedom, that we walk in forgiveness and mercy, that by your stripes we are healed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. We love you so much. Have a wonderful week. We hope to see you on Wednesday at 630 downtown. God bless you.